Welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I am Tony Serino alongside Christopher Carter, and this is your daily dose of all things Steelers. Today on the show, Chris and I are going over the day three picks for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Six new players added to the roster, and Chris and I are going to go over each one, give you our thoughts on each of the players, and we'll also talk about some of the undrafted free agents the Steelers brought in over the weekend. Welcome to the show. You can find more of this podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the new Himalaya app, wherever you find podcasts. Search Locked On Steelers. Hit that subscribe button. Make sure to get your daily dose. You can follow us on Twitter at LO Steelers. You can find us on Facebook. Search Locked On Steelers. Hit the like button there. Make sure you also join the Facebook group. You can also find us on Instagram at Locked On Steelers. All right, Chris, the NFL draft is over. It feels like a weight has been lifted. We now know the nine Steelers that are being added to their roster. Right, and it was supposed to be 10, but I told you guys it probably wasn't going to be 10, and it was nine. So therefore, we finally, Tony, we finally, it's over. I don't have to, well, I still have to watch some college tape, but I don't have to watch all these random college tapes. I had like like 40 guys that that I put tape together on, and about three of them were actually picked. Yeah, yeah, I know. I feel the same way. You watch all this taper, guys. You, you, you know, you fall in love with certain players, um, and then you know, let's take Greedy Williams for instance. He may be a he may be a Cleveland Brown at this point. Uh, so all the defending I did, I take it all back. Greedy Williams, bum, can't play, can't tackle, and can't be motivated. Uh, <laughs> oh, for the record, who 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 was picked first in the draft? Was it Byron Murphy or was it Greedy Williams? Mm, I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> I don't have it in front of me. <laughs> Were they picked at the same time? It's hard to tell. <laughs> hard to tell. All right, because we, we didn't we didn't do a podcast yesterday, so we do have to go over the day three prospects that the Steelers Ooh. took starting in round four. Uh, but actually, actually, no, I'm out of order here. We got to start with news and notes because we got some big news today. John Bostic. <laughs> John Bostic was cut over the weekend. Jeez. Uh, yeah, saves the Steelers just over a million dollars in salary cap space, and they are kind of tight against the cap right now, at a little over $3 million under the cap before this move was made. Are you surprised that this happened so early in the process? I mean, they, they took Devin Bush on Thursday, and by the end of the weekend, John Bostic no longer a member of the team. I am surprised because, I mean, you're now you're putting yourself, okay, so... So John Bostic's gone. So now your your now your your linebacker core is what Vince Williams, Devin Bush, Mark Barron, Tyler Medikavich, and you know maybe Ulysses Grant. Yeah, uh, Gilbert. I'm Gilbert. Sorry, Gilbert. Yeah. yeah, I'm still working on these names. Uh, but you know you're and you're looking at a, at a depth chart that you're still not sure about. Um, and, and to me, at least, if you if you had a run of injuries, Bostic was at least a guy that you could throw in there and be familiar with. But you, you still can't depend on Tyler Matikiewicz. I, uh, I, I, I think that the only thing that they're doing with that is they're making, they're making cap space somehow. Um, and, and maybe, and cause you know, Steelers, they're also, they're a very much a restructure team that I can definitely see some other players um, restructuring their con their, their contracts open up, you know, a mill there, two mill here to sure. like, you know, another mill there. And then maybe they'll, uh, they'll get the opportunity to see because, you because right now, yeah, you're right. They're at like 2.8 million in team cap space. And I think that was before the Bostic cut. Um, yeah, it was before the Bostic yeah, cut. So, so I think Bostic will get them right, right around four, I think. Yeah. Cause it's, I think it says that 1.8. So that gets them. Yeah. Like, so that's 3.8 plus yeah, it's 4.6. So then you get some more. So maybe you can get some more out of that. And um, so then that, that gets you looking at maybe free agents, you know, maybe some guys that, uh, 
that are um, that are out there right now. Um, and maybe just the, you know, that, that they, maybe there's there's some more answers to be coming uh, with this with this offseason. You think at all, you think this is at all the idea that Boston could have seen just seen the writing on the wall with Devin Bush having been taken and asked the Steelers to be released? Because I agree with you, this definitely is a salary cap savings. But I also agree with you in that it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense from the depth chart perspective. I mean, you know, Bostic, you know, he could have been cut at the end of training camp, but I think he had every chance of making this roster as being that kind of first backup off the bench. Um, you think maybe Bostic made this happen at all? You know, that's possible. Um, yeah. You know, I Bostic could be doing, but then it's like, but does Bostic expect to get picked up anywhere? Because yeah, maybe he just he, feels like he has a better chance somewhere else. Yeah, maybe, maybe but at, but at the same time, you have a con, you had a two, you had a two year deal with the Steelers. Um, so I mean, he could have ridden out this year, and maybe that's it. Maybe he felt like he, if he wasn't going to see the field, he needs to find some way um, to to show people that he still got it, and he knows that with Barron and and uh, Bush and Williams out there that it's going to be unlikely for him to get a lot of snaps. Um, but I, I still think that, you know, cause the Steelers are thin at safety. They could, they could Tony, they could, they could be looking at trying to bring in one more guy. You know, you know, people are still talking about, you know, people like Trey Boston are out there, you know, so I mentioned one person bringing back Mike Mitchell and I'm like, you know, that'd be a real funny move just because it would make a lot of people mad. But uh, you know who's still out there that, that's still a safety and uh, and and just has it. You know everyone's just wondering what's going to happen. I think Eric Berry's still alive. Isn't yeah, he? yeah, Eric Berry's still out there. I, I wonder. I wonder how the Steelers feel about safety right now, um, you know, from a depth perspective. Because you know you, you and I talked about this before the draft, and, and we thought it was very likely that the Steelers were going to take a safety in this draft. They did not. And I wonder. You know there were safeties on the board at times when they when they were picking, and they just they bypassed. Maybe they didn't like that those players or. Maybe they just feel comfortable with the idea that a guy like Mark Barron's going to give them some more flexibility in that area. It's hard to tell. The other thing I heard was that Tomlin said after the draft that Cam Sutton or Mike Hilton could move to safety. And we saw Mike Hilton play at the end of practice. You know, every other day it seemed like at training camp he would see some reps at safety. That I guess that could be an option as well. That could be. I mean, I mean, Mike Hilton's a very physical guy. He he's a very uh, he's quick. He he changes direction very well. Can Cam Sutton and what I've always loved about Cam Sutton is how smart he is with, with the game and how he always is able. To, I mean, in college he played every single defensive back position. He played slot. He played outside corner. He played safety. He he could do it all. Um, and, and that's one thing that I see with him with the Steelers is that he's able to play his responsibilities well. So maybe they're confident that they have the guys that can flex to those positions and uh, and take up multiple roles for them, kind of like, you know, B.J. Finney would do for the offensive line. And then, I mean, the other big question then is going to be Marcus Allen and, and what kind of leap he can take year one to year two, because that would answer some of the questions, especially when we start talking about who's going to replace Morgan Burnett. You know, I mean, uh, Marcus Allen, a lot of questions about Marcus Allen. Was he just going to get moved inside linebacker straight out of college? And that hasn't happened. But if he can play in those dime looks, uh, that, that'll answer a lot of our questions as well. So that's another thing to keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. All right, then the other big news is Jerry Dulac from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette posted on Twitter and said that the Steelers had a first-round grade on Deontay Johnson, the wide receiver they took at the beginning of the third round. Now, this is a player who a lot of Steeler fans were saying, who did we take? And, you know, look, Akeem Butler was still on the board, and that, you know, that certainly did not make Steeler fans happy that they passed on a guy like Akeem Butler to take a basically no-name wide receiver out of Toledo. But Chris, you and I have been watching tape all weekend. Now we hear the Steelers had a first round grade. I like this pick a lot just from the little tape I'd watched from when we did the podcast on Saturday. But the more I watched over the weekend, 
I'm, I'm not even surprised that you always had a really high grade on him. Johnson is a was a very underrated player in this process. Absolutely. And and, the, and here's the other thing. Remember, these are the Steelers. If you, I understand if you're skeptical about their cornerback picks because, yeah, the, they haven't invested high in cornerback and the third, the third and fourth rounders that they've drafted for the most part haven't worked out. But by, you know, come on, people. Yeah. The, the yeah. Juju Smith-Schuster, Antonio Brown, Emmanuel Sanders, Mike Wallace, you know, just player after player after player after player. They have found wide receivers that can be valued. I mean, heck, they, they, made, they found – uh, Martavis Bryant, who, who was something for a while. So, like, yeah, people need to relax. I think that the Deontay Johnson pick, there's a lot of technique stuff that he does very well. I love, love, love his footwork. If you see the jab steps he puts on to, to beat someone's inside leverage whenever he's getting pressed, he doesn't even need to get physical. The things he does at the second and third levels of his routes, when he gets to, like, the 10-yard mark, he'll fake a move and he'll fake it just like he runs it. Like, there was one play against Miami. I saw him. Uh, he he faked he was he faked the comeback and it made the cornerback hesitate for just a second and then he went up and then did another comeback uh, about another four or five yards downfield and it got him the space he needed to to get open. This guy seems like a really hard worker and a really um, a really tough guy that runs that runs all sorts of parts of, of the route tree and improvises very well um, and and just the the way that he works his feet. It's exciting to see him win in different ways, and he does he does have decent hands. I've seen I saw him pluck some balls away from his from his body. I think he needs he needs more more tape of that to to confirm that that is something he can do. There wasn't a whole lot of that in his tape, but uh, absolutely, this guy brings a lot to the table. And if there's any team that you should trust drafting a wide receiver, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, if if you if you came into this process, and I think you know Chris, you and I did just because we hadn't watched enough of him. But if you came into this process saying what did the Steelers see in Deontay Johnson to make him draft, you know, to come uh, to be a third-round pick. The real, the, question, the real question you should be asking is what didn't you see in, in Deontay Johnson, right? I mean, you should be reevaluating how you evaluate wide receivers based on this because the Steelers just they, – they don't miss. They don't miss at wide receiver. We can talk about James Washington last year, and I, I think James Washington is going to have a big year too and, and, and prove everyone – uh, prove everyone in Pittsburgh right that they you know they were right about that pick. But Deontay Johnson, everything I see on tape from him so far looks like yeah he's going to draw Antonio Brown comparisons just because he was taken with the Antonio Brown pick. He's a Mac receiver, but I actually see parts. I mean the, the way he runs routes. There was that two point conversion against Miami. Yeah, uh, he's so smooth. Uh, I mean you know it's toe silly. Tap. Yeah, it's it, exactly. It's but it's silly to compare wide receivers to Antonio Brown, but. It's a little bit of that in his game. I mean, he does. He's an undersized guy from the MAC, and he's a great, great route runner. And, and his his it, it, it is a little freaky that he's five ten. Antonio Brown's five ten. He went. He played in the MAC. Antonio Brown played in the MAC, and he ran a four point five five forty yard dash. And Antonio Brown ran a four point five six. And both are deceptively fast. You know, they yeah. don't have that, that straight line speed that that shows up in the in the in the event. But when it comes to game day, those guys are breaking away from people and, and finding ways to make plays. There is a big difference from game speed and, and, and uh, straight line speed, which is which is why uh, which is why Greedy Williams forty time didn't matter that much, Tony. Um, uh, <laughs> we're going back there. Just, we can do it. We'll, yeah. we'll have to do a Greedy Williams versus Byron Murphy uh, <laughs> podcast in a year. In a year, like, give me a year from now. Let's. See, well, actually. I don't, we're gonna we're, we're gonna be ten years from now doing yeah. talking and, and and it's like yeah remember what you said yeah that's that's that's, that's gonna be an ongoing battle let's make that a segment at some point Absol- uh, it absolutely will have to be a segment during the season the, who the cares Byron if Murphy the Steelers just Greedy won Williams. the Super Bowl who who cares the Steelers just won the Super Bowl let's talk about who had a better season yeah I can see that being a battle um, but so, but all things considered yes I think that there's a lot of comparisons there um, to to be made the only thing that I think that is different is that. Coming coming into this, Coach Daryl Drake, the wide receivers coach for the Steelers, said 
that this guy seemed like a very high character guy that they really wanted because he seemed uh, a ready, he seemed to be really focused on football, and that's not something that they can say about Antonio Brown. So the Steelers take a 5'10 wide receiver from the MAC. They then take in the fourth round of this year's draft a running back who wears 26. They took Benny Snell from Kentucky. I said this on Twitter over the weekend. I think the Steelers are maybe taking this whole replace A.B. Le'Veon thing a little too literally. Uh, but what do you think about Benny Snell, the pick in the fourth round? Because you and I had talked about the Steelers taking a a wide or a, a running back that was more of a change of pace, more of a home run hitter, a playmaker. Uh, Benny Snell, not that guy. He's more of a, a bruiser yeah. uh, type of back. I mean, it's a, here, here's my thinking with that. Yeah, I, I just thought they would go with the Kamara Ingram route just to have guys that contrast it, switch it up on people. But if they're doubling down on their power runners, I mean, James Conner, you saw how physical he ran. You saw how he led the league in broken tackles for a while. Um, that if you have two guys like that, geez, here's my thought. You get those guys, you're pounding people, you know, they each get, you know, 12 carries, you know, going into like, you know, the late, the later part of the game, say you have a lead. Now you're putting those guys both in and you're, and you're switching them up. The defense is tired. They're like, we're tired of tackling these guys. They, they got fresh feet because they're splitting carries. And now you're getting two very physical runners breaking tackles and Benny Snell, you know, let's I'm not, let's not undersell him. Yeah, he didn't have one of the best forty times. I think he ran like the four sixes, maybe. Um, but when you saw him play at Kentucky, he established an identity with their offense. Whenever there was trouble, whenever the, the game was in a serious position, they'd find a way to get the ball in his hands. And I mean, there were some plays. You know, they'd be in the red zone. People would hit him four yards behind the line of scrimmage, and then they'd hit him again at the line of scrimmage, and he would just find ways to just fight his way to whatever his team needed. Um, and the guy is confident, I, and I like I like it. There was an interview uh, during the draft or before the draft when they asked him, you know, who's the, who's the best running back in the class, and he said he said uh, it's Benny Snell Jr. And I'll tell you what, that Benny Snell Jr. He's talking in the third person. And he goes like, Benny Snell Jr. is the toughest runner. He's going to run through everybody. And the guy's like, you're talking about you know things in the third person. And Benny Snell's like, I am the third person. And I was like, okay, I like you now. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, the guy. The guy looks very confident and. Let, let, let's stomp this out now, Tony, because people are making it, oh, he's because he took a picture with Le'Veon Bell's jersey and saying, you know, 26 because he's about to be 26. Yeah. Let, let, let's stomp this out now. I don't think that was a shot at Le'Veon. I think that was simply he wore 26 in college. I don't think he has any problems with, with, with Le'Veon Bell. I think he's simply saying, I, I know that's going to be my number because I'm going to ask for it and no one else is going to have it. So he's just posting up that number. Um and I mean, I mean, Le'Veon Bell, he doesn't have a problem with the Steelers. Heck, he, he was tweeting. We, he was te- he's been texting James Conner, telling him, I, I wish, not- wish you nothing but the best. And I'm rooting for you. And he predicts he's going to have 17 touchdowns this year. So I, I don't think this was at all a shot at, at, at uh, Le'Veon Bell. I think people should put that to rest and, and more so just focus on. I think this guy is going to be a really exciting player and be a person that I think when when when, when good stuff starts to happen, he, he's going to be one of those guys that fires up Heinz Field. Yeah, if anything, that that picture was more like like you said, talked about. It was more about his confidence, you know, the, the yeah. confidence that he has. To say, look, I'm going to wear 26. I'm going to be a great running back for the Steelers. You know, I'm and sure he'll exist in the shadow of Le'Veon Bell, but I don't think that bothers him at all. And I think that that's really what that shows. Uh, th- I think this also shows that the Steelers maybe are worried about James Conner and his longevity because you know I, I would have thought they would have taken that that more home run hitter, the, the change of pace type, the you know that that kind of like you said, Kamara and Ingram approach but with James Conner being hurt now in his first two years I do feel like this is a way where you know whether it's this he's just whether or not Snell's just going to be a backup for Conner and kind of an insurance policy for Conner or 
if they're going to go with more of a running back by committee. This has really been a feature back system, ever, you know, pretty much from Le'Veon forward. Um, you have to wonder if, if how they're going to approach this. Is, is this running back by committee now, or is this just Snell's going to be there just in case Connor's getting hurt? It's a very good question. Um, I, I feel like they're going to go a little bit by committee. They want to keep fresh legs. Um, and maybe they believe in Connor that much, but I, I can see them. I can see them them switching the, between the two because I think there's they, they they're going to see, uh, especially Randy Feetner. Randy Feetner loves to spread the ball around. He loves to get touches to different bodies, and I, I think that you know that, that that's going to be a different part of the tone of how the offense is ran. And I think it's important to remember last year was Randy Feetner's first season. We didn't get to see how he would have operated with Le'Veon Bell. Would he have split the carries more? Because Todd Haley didn't believe in that. Todd Haley believed, you know, in getting the ball to your best players, which is why Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell's numbers would be through the roof. Um, but Randy Feekner, he he's more about, you know, yeah, sure, get the ball to your best players, but spread the ball around. Make it less predictable about where you're going to go to beat the other team. And I, I think that that could very well be a part of this play and moving forward. The other thing we should say about about Benny Snell is that Steeler fans, you're going to love him. I mean, he's he's not Jerome Bettis, but he is definitely a big back who likes to initiate contact. Oh, he yeah. is not afraid, you know, to to put his shoulder down, and uh, he's certainly not a guy who's going to be running out of bounds. He will he will be initiating contact. Um, so you're going you're going to love him in that way. The next player they took was in the fifth round, Zach Gentry, the tight end from Michigan. The Steelers have a type at tight end, and it is tall tight ends. Zach Gentry is six eight. Not much else to really talk about from what I've seen. Not really, not a super athletic guy. Um, you know, kind of raw as a tight end, but he does have a pretty big frame. Yeah, he's huge. And, and you know, you look at this guy and you're, you're you're thinking, okay, where's um, you know, where's where's he gonna fit in? You know, they drafted him late. The Steelers didn't get you know Foster Moreau or any of the top guys that they they were uh, they were thinking with with, with with the pick. But I mean, Zach Gentry, six seven. 248 played he played for Michigan so you know that he's um you know that he he went up against some big boys but I know I look at the guy on tape and no he's not the most he's not the most like you know electrifying receiver type guy but he does seem to be able to run different routes he does seem to be able to stretch out and get tough passes and catch in traffic um you know and he does he's not afraid to to do that and take the big hits which is uh which is fine um and He's not a supreme blocker, but I think he is a guy that's going to be able to fight through the tough points and to you know and to contribute as a blocker when they start when they start going to those twelve personnel packages and getting both him and Vance McDonald on the field. Um, and that's, that's assuming he beats out Xavier Grimble. Which yeah, I was just I, gonna say, do you, do you think that this? Because to me, this this was kind of a sigh of relief for Xavier Grimble. I mean, I, I don't see him. I don't see Gentry competing with Grimble in his rookie year. Do you? I think I think if if Gentry can come out and and show that he's a good blocker, he might. Um, uh, it, it all depends on how Grimble. I mean, Grimble's had they've been wanting Grimble to take this step for about three years now. I mean, there was I think it was the Patriots game three years ago. He caught like a really good pass over the middle and extended, it, and I was like, man, like that that guy looks like he's ready, uh, but he just he hasn't put it all together. And, and you gotta wonder, is that ever gonna happen at this point? You know, or is he just going to be the third tight end forever that fumbles when he gets to the goal line? And that's not fair because that was one time in his career. But that's what when anyone's going to talk about Xavier Grimble now, that's the moment they're going to bring up, which is rough for a player. But, you know, he, he's he's got to show them something. Yeah, I mean, he's just constantly the guy who's good at training camp, but just doesn't show up in games. And, he, and like you said, he comes up in, in big plays every once in a while. I, I think he's definitely going to be the number two tight end this year. And I'll have a chance. Let's see what he does in 2019. 
Hey, before we continue, want to let you guys know about ZipRecruiter. You know, hiring is tough. It can be really challenging to find quality candidates. It takes it takes a long time. Uh, it's just a difficult process. As the New York Giants found out this weekend, didn't have a great draft. If only they had ZipRecruiter to let them know that Daniel Jones may be not worth the sixth pick in the NFL draft. ZipRecruiter is an amazing tool. It's going to send your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, and they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, they're going to scan thousands of resumes to find those with the right experience and invite them to apply for your job. As those applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one, spotlights the top candidates, so you'll never miss a great match. They're so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. The smartest way to hire. The next player, Sutton Smith, the outside linebacker slash inside linebacker slash special teamer from Northern Illinois. Maybe the most Uh, Definitely the most interesting to me of the day three prospects because I don't understand where they expect Sutton Smith to play. And I've watched Keith Butler's press conference on this. Sutton Smith is six feet, 225. I don't think you could put him on the edge because he's just too small. He's going to get gobbled up out there. I I heard he played inside at the senior bowl and did not look good there as well. So maybe this is just a special teams play. Where do you see Sutton Smith fitting in? I think they're going to use this guy as a person that they're, well, one, I don't see him fitting in early. I think that he's going to be, He's going to be either a um, a guy that doesn't get a helmet if he's on the roster or a guy that, that sits on the practice squad. Because um, I, I do think we are going to see either Ola Adini or Keon Adams take the fourth uh, outside linebacker spot You know, at some point this season. They didn't even really use a fourth outside linebacker last year. Um, but I think Sutton Smith, if, if, they get it, if, they, if, he get, if he finds a way, it'll be putting him in space out on the edge and saying, hey, we just need you to – uh, to, to either rush rush the passer or cover this guy out of the backfield or take away the flat. What I like about him is that he does seem to be able to move well in space. He does seem to take the edge and um, and work around it, but he's not a guy that I'm going to expect um, to just come up in you and, and eat up eat up the blocker and hold that down to stop the run. Um, what I do like is that when he uh, when he when he attacks a, a tackle. He does have active hands. He's trying different moves, so he's not just trying to beat you with his speed. Um, so I think he has some factors to his game. Um, and, but I mean, you know, yeah, he's not huge, um, but let's not forget James Harrison was five eleven, and this guy's six foot. Um, you know, I, I think it's more about more about work and what kind of what kind of bends you get around the edge and what you can create. Um, like I said, I don't expect him to really get a hat, uh, you know, this season. But I, I do think that he's a prospect that they're going to say, are you athletic enough to make special teams? And that is another way. If 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 if, uh, if he shows, hey, I can excel on this part of special teams, they'll find a way because they like their special team gurus, as seen with Tyler Matikiewicz. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think I think he is really competition there at linebacker with Matikiewicz because Matikiewicz is really only going to earn a spot because of his special teams. Right. You know, you could make an argument that you would make that you would take that hat away from Matikiewicz and give it to to Smith, and then have five outside linebackers uh, and just four. At inside, but uh, I think that's really the only way. Now we should say he's Smith was very very productive at Northern Illinois. Oh yeah, as far as an edge rusher, I mean he was 14 sacks uh, in 2017, 15 this past season. So he, you know, this guy can get to the quarterback. I just question whether or not that's going to translate at the next level, given that 
you know, again, just just he weighs just two twenty five. Is it tiny? It's gonna be tiny out there. And I mean, and, and that's also in the MAC. Um, and I know we were talking about the MAC earlier for Deontay Johnson, but the uh, but with the MAC when you're done, when you're dealing with lineman players, you know, guys that that try to beat the edge. You know that that's an even different mark because now when you're talking about going to the NFL, that's an even bigger jump than you know like when you're going up against guys that ruled the SEC. You know, guys that ruled the Big Ten, and those are your usual like big places where you expect the great offensive linemen to come from and uh, the the type of talent that will translate to the NFL. So there's going to be a lot of challenges that face him. But hey, I mean, he seems like a, like a, like he seems like a character that's going to be uh, that's going to be willing to take on take on the. Uh, the, the, the challenge it's gonna be interesting to see what he does um in rookie camp otas and then eventually training camp and he t- he told the media right after he got drafted that he expected to play some inside in the nfl so inside linebacker and maybe even on the edge now mm-hmm. keith butler said he was play he would play on the edge so we'll see what happens when training camp starts with sutton smith then the final three players isaiah bugs a defensive end from alabama I, I expect him to play kind of both inside and outside on the defensive line ulysses gilbert from akron the inside linebacker and derwin gray the tackle slash guard uh, from Maryland. Any of those names stand out to you, Chris? Uh, you know, particularly Bugs, um, because uh, Carl Dunbar, you know, being the defensive line coach, this isn't the first time that they've drafted a, a late Alabama defensive defensive yep. lineman. Um, I, I think Bugs, he had some interesting moves on the edge. Um, and and at, this, at this point, it's like, hey, you're, you're getting a guy that, that maybe you think can contribute to the roster and, 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 get, and, and make the roster. Um, and, and Dunbar, it seems like he's, he's done a good job with the defensive line. You know, Javon Hargrave has, has progressed nicely. Um, you, you liked what you saw out of, out of the defensive line last year. Um, so maybe maybe he can get something out of this guy. And at least, you know, if he's if he's a guy that gets a helmet, then that's a win of a pick this year, um, as long as it's not because of injury. Uh, so that's the guy that stands out to me. Um, you know, looking looking across, the, you know, the guys, you know, Ulysses, Ulysses Gilbert, you know, the, the third, uh, I think, that that guy, I mean, awesome name. Um, but yeah, absolutely. You know, I I don't see him making the roster. Maybe he does. You know, I'm not doubting the skills. I'm just saying, I, I it's going to be very competitive to be a linebacker on the Steelers roster next season. Like we were saying, they already cut John Bostic, so I can see some more uh, some more talk going on as far as who makes it. But hey, maybe that maybe he's the guy that battles with the special teams to uh, with Sutton Smith to to make that extra roster spot. And it's, yeah, that's that's going to be where he's going to have to make it. I feel like exactly. And Derwin Gray, interesting because he seems like a guy that could bump inside. He could be. I think he's another one of those linemen that they're expecting to be a flex a flex lineman that that plays tackle and guard, moves about kind of like Kelvin Beecham did for a little while. So yeah, of these three players, you know, you have to look when you get to these later round prospects. I like to, you know you got to look at the roster and, and figure out just where is there a spot. And like you were saying, at inside linebacker, it's difficult right now. I mean, I know they did just cut John Bostic, but it's it's going to be difficult um, for both Gilbert and Smith to make the roster. Only one of those guys I think can make it. And then like you said, on the offensive line, they cut Marcus Gilbert, but you've also got uh, you got Hawkins coming back, Gerald Hawkins, who's been uh, hurt the last couple of years. So he, you got to assume he's got the inside track. To a roster spot there. I look at the defensive line with Bugs. They didn't bring LT Walton back. You've got Levon Hooks. You've got uh, you've got uh, Casey Sales, who they brought in from the AAF, and he was in training camp last year. McCullers keeps sticking around the defensive line. I think there is a spot for Bugs this year. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I think I think of those three players, I think he's got probably the, the best chance to make it. Um, and he played. Look, he played on a, a dominant Alabama d- defense, and I believe he had more sacks for Bama. Then did uh, Quinnen Williams, who was the the third pick in the draft. Yeah, but to the Jets. But Quinnen Williams also was playing defensive tackle, 
Um, and sure. and sure. everyone was saying, "Stop quitting, Williams." Um, sure. <laughs> that's, that's the guy. Like you know, like he he's the guy that's going to kill us. Um, and, and I think Bugs is more of the benefactor of that uh, of that situation. Um, or the beneficiary. I don't know my English right now. Um, anyways, but he's the guy that took it that got the advantage of that of that uh, matchup. Um, yeah. So so yeah. I mean, but absolutely, I think Bugs is is, is an interesting prospect. And again, he worked with Carl Dunbar, so Carl Dunbar is going to be able to, to 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 maybe reach him a little sooner. I think it's going to be an interesting uh, interesting time with the uh, you know with seeing how these guys work in camp, who gets who gets some looks in the preseason and of course you know you're going to see them battles in preseason who's going to who's going to stand out make some plays and that they'll like and then so that was the those are the uh the nine players Steelers added through the draft and we also they had they brought in quite a few undrafted free agents I'm going to go over that list here Javon Eskew Henry the safety from West Virginia is a player they had in for a pre-draft visit Ian Berryman a punter from Western Carolina Garrett Brumfeld the guard for LSU another player the Steelers had in for a visit. Jay Hayes, a defensive end from Georgia. Fred Johnson, a guard from Florida. Trayvon McMillan, a running back from Colorado. Alexander Myers, or Myers, uh, cornerback from Houston. Chris Nelson, defensive tackle from Texas. Trevor Wood, a tight end and long snapper from Texas A&M. Matthew Wright, a kicker from UCF, uh, which that could be an interesting one because you expect Boswell is going to have some, uh, he's going to have some competition at camp this year. And then the final name here, PJ Locke, the safety from Texas. Chris, before we start here, you were telling about Locke is a big hitter yeah. type at safety. Yeah, the stuff I've seen of this guy is he flies in like a missile and he will take people out. Um, biggest thing is, though, he doesn't have the full range of a safety, which is why he wasn't drafted. Um, you know, he, he makes some interesting plays, but he, he has a lot of technique issues. Um, but he's exciting because you can see, see how explosive he is with how he's laid some people out and forced some fumbles. Um, so, I think that excitement will get you will get you a looking camp, but he's going to have to come more with than just with big hits because everybody's big in the NFL, so that's not always going to work. But I mean, certainly a guy that you, that everyone can keep their eye on and see how he uh, how, how he how he performs in camp. And I mean, if if there's one position on this roster where you can be an undrafted free agent and maybe make your mark, it is safety because behind Terrell Edmonds and Sean Davis, they have Marcus Allen and Jordan Dangerfield. And that's the those are two guys that I do not consider, um, you know, having stall, you know, safe positions on the depth chart. Uh, if you so if you want to make your mark, PJ Locke, that's the spot. Yeah, absolutely. That that is that is the spot on the roster right now. And I guess the other one is kicker, right? We got we got to talk about the kicker thing here. Where do you fall on the whole? Should you draft a kicker? And are you surprised that the Steelers did not draft a kicker in this draft to compete with Chris Boswell? I mean, I'm also. Uh, I don't think you should draft a kicker. I think you can find them undrafted. Um, I think you should take your shot with players. Now, unless there's an exceptional kicker and you're late in the round, you got all your needs taken care of, and there's something about him that you like. But kicking is just one of those such, you know, nuanced things that can that that so many weird things play into it that you do, that aren't normal football uh, study points. Um, sure. So I think it's it's very tough to grade. Um, but I'm also, I'm not sold that Chris Boswell is just dead in the water and is ready to have his spot taken. I think Boswell, um, they revealed that he was going through an injury all last season. I think he's going to come back. This guy was too clutch of a kicker for uh, what three years. And then just to fall off of a cliff, uh, you know, I'm going to give this guy the benefit of the doubt and say, you know what? He had a bad season. He was playing hurt. Let's see what he has in the, in the long run. 
and if he can bounce back. You know, if he doesn't bounce back, by all means, you know, then then go get someone else. But like you were saying, cut Boswell. You should have cut Boswell. But, he, but you know, you look at his numbers towards the end of the season. I mean, he really didn't have bad numbers when he, you know, when he started to, to cut, when he started to, to get his stuff back together. You know, and uh, you know, outside of the Raiders game where the field is just a garbage pit, um, you know, he had a strong, I think, finish to the end of the season. Um, and again, this is a guy who the year before he was a huge reason the Steelers got a bye week. Um, and you know, the year before that, uh, he was a, he was a big reason why they were competitive. I mean, he hit the game winning field goal against the Bengals in the playoff game, uh, one of the few playoff game playoff wins that they've had, um, you know, in the past ten years. So. Uh, I just I don't count that guy out yet. I'm gonna let him show me that that was that last year was just a bad fluke of uh, of a year. Um, but absolutely, bring someone, bring a guy in in camp, test him out, have another person ready. If he's still bad in preseason and showing you the same problems, then yeah, then you, then you need to let him go and just say, hey, that you know, thanks for what you did, but that that that's all. It really was a shocking fall from grace for oh, Boswell yeah. last year. Uh, but yeah, they're gonna have some options this year. They they already have Matt McCrane, who was their kicker in week 17 and they're now they're going to have Matthew Wright from UCF. And yeah, and you're right about Boswell by the way at the end of the year. I mean, look, he had, he had a bad miss against New England but made up for it later in that game kicking the field goal to give them a 7-point lead. Uh, and then he hit 2 for 2 against New Orleans and he was perfect against New Orleans and that's you know where he re- reportedly suffered the injury although like you said I think it's I think it's widely considered that he had that injury prior yeah. to the New Orleans game. Yeah. Uh, kickers, you know, there's definitely going to be a kicker battle in camp, but I, I'm with you. I would not rule out that Chris Boswell is the kicker again in 2019. All right, those are the undrafted free agents and day three players. Chris, anything we didn't get to today that you want to you go over? Um, okay, just a message out to Steelers fans. Uh, and this just came to me because of the Chris Boswell thing. Remember, everyone was like, he's part of the killer bees. Like, every time, Steelers fans, every time you, you come up with a name, for, for a group of players, it does not work out. Remember Young Money? That was a big yeah, thing. I was just going to say that, the Young Money crew. That, that uh, you know, sure, you got Antonio Brown from that, but they they imploded. Mike Wallace went away for big money. Emmanuel Sanders went away for big money. Antonio Brown stuck around, then eventually was disintegrated. The Killer Bees, now Antonio Brown's gone. Le'Veon Bell's gone. Boswell fell off of the map. Ben Roethlisberger's still there, but he's like the Antonio Brown of the Young Money crew. Now, I, I'm just saying, because this is a very young receiving core again, because now you got Juju Smith-Schuster, James Washington, Deontay Johnson. The, don't come up with names for, for groups of people anymore. Just don't, because <laughs> what's going to happen is some is you're going to put a curse on them. And I, I I'm for I'm just forewarning everybody. Just 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 let them be. You know, give them their own names. That 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 works. But coming up with group names, it's it's a bad thing. This is this is serious analysis right analysis right here. I, I study I studied my <laughs> well, butt, off, butt off for that. <laughs> well, you listen, you got the steel curtain back in the 70s. That worked since then. You know, in the 90s, it was Blitzberg and all of that and, and didn't get didn't get a whole lot out of the 90s. I don't remember the I don't remember that 2008 defense having a a a uh, they called them steel kind of moniker. They, they, they called them the steel curtain, too. I think at some point people were like, that's it's the return of the steel curtain because they so like, yeah, you know, what? like steel curtain. Thank goodness did, that never caught on. I never heard that. So yeah, I think yeah, that, that was I think that was something <laughs> the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette guys were passing around and. People were just like, yeah, whatever. I don't know about that, but they're doing great, so we're just gonna be happy. Um, yeah. But I mean, yeah, you know, Steel Curtain. That was the that was the thing. But I, I think that's different. You know, defensive line. But it seems to be offensive players. Just let them. Let's let's let them be the offensive players. You know, if 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 by all means, if, if the Steelers develop some nasty linebackers with Devin Bush and T.J. Watt and Vince Williams and 
you know, the Bud Dupree becomes a thing. Okay, you know, come up with a, a you know a name for them. But I'm telling you, if if they implode and something crazy happens, they all get hurt. I'm going to be looking at every single one of you guys that gave them a name. Well, I think I think Mike Tomlin might have given him a name the other day when he called it the cleansing this uh, offseason. We're gonna we're gonna talk about that tomorrow. We're gonna talk. Chris and I are gonna talk about tomorrow. We'll talk about Mike Tomlin's comments, the cleansing, which I thought was a very interesting way. It, of putting it, it certainly was. And then we are also going to break down this draft top to bottom, give you our thoughts on on the entire draft as a whole. Did the Steelers address their needs? That kind of thing. So, Chris, let people know where they can find your work. You can always find me at Carter Critiques on Twitter. Carter Critiques is where I, is, is where I usually post and everything I do. But you can also find me as the lead NFL analyst for DKPittsburghSports.com. Try us out for 99 cents. You can try us out for a month. See what we see what we are. If you like us, stick with us. If if not, thanks for trying us. And you can keep up with us at any point in time. We do have free content, but we have lots of inside insider talk from our beat writer Dale Lolly, who's been on the scene for decades. Um, and yet, you'll always get my my takes and my my film analysis, where I'm always breaking down tapes on the new Steelers players, the old Steelers players, who their opponents are, and all the different columns that we run there. You can find me at Steeler Country on Twitter. You can leave feedback, LockedOnSteelers at gmail.com. And Chris and I will be back tomorrow for more Locked On Steelers.